Today's date is October 25th of 2023. The time is 6.33 p.m. I'm calling the order of the City of Centerville City Council meeting. First order of business is roll call. Councilmember Darren Mosier. Present. Councilmember Russ Kosky. Present. Councilmember Ray Taylor. Present. Councilmember Rowan Shaw. Present. Mayor Love and staff is also present. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, everyone. Next order of business on our agenda is the approval of the agenda. And I know we have a change, Mark. I'll let you yeah, comment on Yeah, more of just a procedural change, Mr. Mayor. What we'll do um, is we'd like to take new business item number one, uh, the vote to appoint the new city council member, and um, place that after uh, a council work session. Um, we had a council work session to start the meeting. We recessed that, and they're going to reconvene that towards the end of the meeting here, so we'll do a double recess move here. We'll recess our regular council meeting to reconvene the work session, and we'll reconvene the council meeting after that um, just so we can have some discussion time on the um, candidates. So um, we'll just move that item number one down to the end of the meeting, and on the item number one of new business um, to the end of the meeting. So and then add in the work session in between there. Got it. Any other council members have any other items they would like to change on the Again, thank you, Mayor, Council, Administrator Stats, for having us tonight. Um, this is the first time I've gotten to come up in front of Centerville City Council, and I appreciate um, Administrator Stats inviting me. And uh, one of the first things that, you know, when we took over as, you know, the administration of the Centennial Fire Department, SBM and Centennial entered into a contract for administrative services. <clears throat> Basically, what that means is I act as the fire chief of Centennial. <clears throat> and uh, in SBM, you know, we've, we've done a lot of good things between the two departments. SBM, we're very proud of the department that we have, and we were able to start working with the Centennial Fire District, which was, had a very rich history, very solid fire department, and uh, we're able to take that on and start working with them. Over the last two years, we've really worked hard on training and getting our people trained up to where they need to be, um, that's one of our things that we're very proud of is our training, and we've done a great job with that. One of the deficiencies that we've had with the Centennial Fire District and SBM, as a matter of fact, is recognizing our own people. Um, I think it's extremely important for the community, for the council, to understand and recognize the men and women that are actually responding to the calls for service. Um, when you talk about selfless servants, our people are truly selfless servants. They're still responding, you know, with pagers, middle of the night. They all have their own normal jobs, nine to five jobs, go home to their families, and they're still answering that call. Monday through Friday, 300 or 
seven days a week, 365 days a year. They're responding to calls. They're invited into everybody. They're invited into people's homes day and night to solve probably the biggest issue that they possibly could have in their lifetime. Our people are responding to these scenes. A lot of good outcomes and a lot of bad outcomes, and they continue to do it with professionalism and keep coming back for more. And I promise you, they're not doing it for the money. I promise you that. Um, we've got a number of folks that have put in many, many years that you know never got their recognition, never got their due with the cities. We felt it was extremely important that we get them up in front of the cities and we actually have a proclamation for them to let them know that A, the fire department recognizes it and the community recognizes the service that they provided. We also want to make sure we're recognizing our people, the people that are responding to the calls right now, and I want to make sure we're recognizing the people that are just coming on board. It's our goal to create a culture where people want to be here. We need our firefighters. We need our first responders more than we've ever needed them. Problem is, we're all fighting for the same people right now. It's getting scary. It's getting dangerous because the fire service is now competing against each other. We're all competing for the same people. That's why it's absolutely imperative that we and my command team and everybody in this room helps create an environment where these people want to be here. They want to serve, so let's make sure, you know, we're recognizing them and we're supporting them. We enjoy tremendous support from the cities of Circle Pines and Centerville. And from my understanding, we've enjoyed it for many years, and we want to make sure we continue that. We've got a great relationship with the SBM Fire Department. We want to continue that. And again, we just want to start really investing in our people. We've got good equipment. We're working on upgrading some of our equipment here in Centennial. But, you know, when I became chief back in December, one of the things I talked about is, and we continue to beat that drum, is we've invested so much money in this equipment. We continue to throw money at equipment. We need to start throwing money at our people. We need to start supporting them and giving them everything that they need to do the job. It's a very, very stressful job. It's a very rewarding job. And as you'll see, some of our retirees that are here, they put in all the years, and they got to continue to live with it. A lot of these memories don't go away. A lot of the thoughts don't go away, and we need to continue to support our people. So that's our goal, and again, this to me is the first step to that, recognition. They don't do it for recognition, I promise. And again, they don't do it for the money. It just shows what type of people we have working for us. My coworkers are the best. I you know, couldn't ask for a better group. So um, I thank you, Mr. Mayor and Council, for again allowing us to come up here. I'm going to continue to support them, and I'm going to continue to come back every chance I get to promote this crew, to promote the people, to promote the jobs that they're doing every day, day in and day out. So again, thank you for having us here. So my goal for tonight is to introduce, we've got, we've got a group of officers here. I want to make sure we introduce all of our officers, what our officers are, lieutenants, captains, battalion chiefs. We've got a chain of command. And we've also got a couple of few new officers. I want to make sure that the council and the community gets to meet them and gets to see them. We're going to go ahead and pin them tonight, put their badges on. And then once we're done with that, I want to recognize our retirees that are here. And uh, along with the city, we've created proclamations. We want to get those read off and get them to them. So that's our goal. For the sake of time, we'll, we'll roll right along if you're good with that. Well, um, this was presented as an annual report, so before you go any further, I just want to make sure that the council members didn't have any specific questions that they wanted to ask or anything of that nature. Rowan, anything? Yeah. 
No, you know, uh, I, I guess I feel somewhat, um, uh, being, I, I, I'm a, the chair of our fire steering committee, and so um, I, I do want to say we had a meeting here about a week ago, on the two weeks ago on the 12th, I think it was, and we have just done, this group and, and, and our chief and our staff and everyone and operations committee, but a great job staying within budget, things are expensive, fire trucks are expensive, and we had our last uh, meeting, steering committee meeting, like I say, a couple of weeks ago, and the numbers were good. Um, one of the things I had pointed out in the meeting, we were a little over on a budget item, and that was training. And like I said, if we're going to go over on any, anything, that's what we want to go over on. I mean training and, and what these folks do. Um, I could go on for an hour of how I appreciate these guys and gals, and it's just wonderful and, and the relationship we have with SBM. And, I'm just proud to chair that committee and sit on that committee for about four years now. So, appreciate that. Thank you, Councilmember Koski. And if I can add to that, um, training is one of the big things in the, that we have invested in. Um, uh, we've got a very robust training division, and we do that for a reason. The area that we provide service for, Spring Lake Park, Blaine, Mounds View, Circle Pines, and Centerville, is a, there's a lot going on. We've got an airport. We've got the third busiest airport in the state in our district. Centennial is a first response in there if we get anything. We've got major interstates. We've got major sporting events. We've got lakes. We've got trails. And we've got a population that's a aging and growing. There's a lot going on right here. It's a very complex, you know, community that we're living in right now. So training, again, is paramount to what we do every day, day in, day out. Uh, the Centennial crew has absolutely accepted the training that we're pushing out. They've excelled in it. I think, again, when we talk about culture, we are creating a culture that people want to be here. Um, I'm, going to keep, I'm going to keep saying that. But one of the things that I mentioned at the last steering committee meeting, the Centennial Fire Department went from a response time that was not the best to, if not the best, one of the best in the state right now. Our response time is absolutely incredible. And again, that's just a testament to the crew that we have here. You talk about response time. That's them getting woke up in the middle of the night with their pagers or leaving birthday parties, leaving dinner, leaving church, leaving sporting events, getting in their personal vehicle, driving to the station, jumping on a truck, and going and, you know, fixing a problem that is probably someone's worst day possible. They're getting there in a matter of minutes, two minutes, two and a half minutes. That's incredible. And again, they keep doing it day in, day out. So uh, we've got a top-notch first-class fire department that I couldn't be more proud of. Um, one of the things that I talked about earlier is, again, is our equipment. We've got a lot of equipment, but we also got some aging equipment. It's our goal is to make sure that our people have safe, effective equipment, but also be smart about it. We're not just going to throw equipment at problems. That's not how I work. That's not how our organization is going to work. We're going to do things fiscally responsible. We're not just going to waste money. So. We have to find creative ways to solve some of our problems. And again, some of those problems are capital needs, capital equipment. <coughs> There's creative ideas floating around about collaboration, working with other cities. I think that's the future of the fire service. Having all these little fire departments around the area, you know, when I talk about we're competing with each other, we're competing constantly with each other, is that a smart way to operate? When we're trying to provide a service to the community, is that a smart way to operate? We need to get smarter about things. We need to start collaborating with each other. SBM and Centennial right now, 
People are watching us. There's a lot of people around the state watching us. Because again, while we all want to keep our individual departments and our, our own status, we have to do what's best for our, our communities and you know our stakeholders. And I think what we're working on right now is showing that. You know, you know, working with each other, training together, sharing equipment, hopefully in the future, makes sense. Um, so that's that's our goal. And again, we're hoping that you know once this contract is getting close to wrapping up here, a uh, year from this coming December, we can roll into something new and keep keep this going because we've got a lot of momentum. And there's a lot of good stuff on the horizon. So calls continue to rise. You know, medical calls continue to go through the roof. Ever since COVID, I call it the COVID hangover. I was told I can't keep blaming things on COVID, but it's reality. Um, the, the health systems are overloaded. The EMS, the EMS transport overloaded. Alina, North, all of them struggling for people, just like we are. Um, you know, so again, the fire department always answers the call. You know, when the police department is swamped, who are they calling? They're calling this group. They're responding, helping our neighbors day in, day out on medical calls, crash rescue, you name it, they're going. They're the jacks of all trade. That's what they do, so. Yeah. Well, from my chair, I just wanna offer my thanks. My extreme thanks for everything that's being done, everything that's been said tonight, you know, those things mirror some of the thoughts that were running through my mind. You know, I've had an opportunity to be on location when the fire department has responded. And it's amazing to see you all at work. And not just at work, but caring about what you're doing. That means so much. When I hear a neighbor say, you know, they called me up afterwards and asked me how I was doing if I needed anything. That meant a lot. They really appreciated that, and then so that meant something to me. Uh, I also want to just say thank you for, you know, remembering 9/11. The last two years, seeing firefighters stand outside our fire department or standing over the bridge on that day to memorialize that day, whether it's raining or cold out or whatever. No, I I know I didn't ask for anyone to do that. You guys did that on your own free will. And it just it was so meaningful, and I wanted to make sure that I pointed that out and said thank you. So thank you for being a part of our community. Thank you for being what makes this community special. Centerville is a special place to live and a special place to be, and it's a large part of that is you and your service. So thank you all. Thank you. All right, so just to keep rolling with this, if there's no more questions as far as the update, we'll go ahead and get into some of the ceremonial things we're going to be doing here. So, as I noted, we've got a number of officers. We've got lieutenants, captains, battalion chiefs. The lieutenants are the boots on the ground. They're the, they're the first step. They're the ones that are basically, again, I'm trying to think of the best way. They're the soldier that's, that, uh, you know, they're in the troop. They're in the, they're in the trenches with the troops. They're that first line for our responders to go to if they have issues. Um, and then you got the captains. The captains are essentially the tip of the spear. The captains run the house. And then we've got the battalion chiefs. We've got two battalion chiefs that basically each one of our battalion chiefs has a station. I have uh, battalion chief Darren Eckert who handles the station one side down in Circle Pines and then battalion chief Matt Montaigne handles Centerville. So with that, I'm gonna go ahead and bring Darren up first. Darren's gonna go ahead and introduce his new lieutenants out of station <laughs> one. I am. <laughs> and uh, Darren didn't know I was going to do this tonight, so but that's that's uh, that's what it's like being a chief. 
So we have uh, two lieutenants. Um, can't be a lieutenant at Station One unless your name's Ryan. Surprisingly, <laughs> we have Ryan Dion and Ryan Harris. Um, Ryan Dion, let's have you come up first. <coughs> and Jenna, we'll need you to come up to Penny's badge. So Ryan is a fairly young guy. He's got on the department right after he was out of high school, pretty much. Um, we took a gamble with him. A lot of times we get the young kids, they're here for a couple of months, a couple of years, life changes, they go on to school, do whatever. Nope, not Ryan, he stuck around, uh, bought a house closer than where he lived when he got on, and what, 12 years later? 13? Uh, 10. 10, oh, I'm, I'm ahead of myself, sorry. <laughs> so 10 years later, here he is, and now he's our uh, one of our new lieutenants at Station One. Um, he's done a fabulous job since he's been uh, the lieutenant. He's been rearranging things on trucks, trying to get things straightened out so it makes sense where things are on a truck, make it easier to find, um, and just doing a great job since he started back in May, right? Yeah, May. May, yeah. May yep. So with that, um, we'll have Jenna, come on up. We'll have you pin his badge on. So they also get a, a new, right now he has these little caduces there on there, the medical caduces. They get replaced with a lieutenant bar. So one bugle, so one of one color as well. You can go ahead and be up the as well. Not a
add, I'm going to bring up uh, Chief Montaigne, but one of the things I didn't add is what these, these individuals have gone through to get to this spot. You don't just get pinned. You know, there's a process. You know, they, you know, I can speak for the three that are being pinned tonight. First thing they got to do is start showing up the calls and start proving themselves and gaining the trust of their crew and their officers. And I think this crew, that was the first, this group, very first step. Then they, uh, you know, we, we run a process basically and part of that process is it's pretty intense. We don't, like I said, we don't just pin people. They go through a pretty intense uh, promotional process that includes uh, inbox exercises, interviews, command sim, where they actually have to do simulations and basically prove that they can do the job. We don't just hand it to you. It's a pretty extensive and every one of these guys went through an officer's academy as well. So not only did they go get the certifications that they needed, not only did they continue to respond to calls, they also put themselves through an academy to get to where they're at right now, prove themselves. Um, so very proud of them. We thank their families because, again, it's just another couple nights a week that they're gone. And then add to the stress on top of being a responder, now they're a leader. So, again, I commend each, each one of these guys. So, Chief Montana, if you want to come up, introduce your new lieutenant. Hi, Matt Montaigne from out of Station 3 here for it. And um, so for our promotional process, we have uh, Captain Weber and Wazowski that were already in place. I'd um, like to welcome uh, Lieutenant uh, Jake Pfeffer to come on up here for it. Since starting with uh, CFD, he served uh, multiple roles, and you guys probably know him from multiple reasons because he is also our fire inspector as well. So um, everything from going on from the Amazon warehouse, getting your inspections taken care of, doing all that. That's just on top of this as well. So again, since he started, he's been an asset to the department. So he's been able to go out, um, provides a positive attitude whenever we're going out through it. Um, always high percentage of calls, always willing to activate or uh, active in training. Um, wants to be a part of it and it's kind of a highlight of what uh, we're looking for here. All we want to learn, he always wants to learn new information, new strategies and tactics on what we're doing and it's kind of looking at how we can continually better ourselves and the department. So, um, actually, come on up. thing I'd like to do is again introduce all of our officers before I turn it over for the proclamation so as you know we have two stations Circle Pines station one and then station three here in Centerville uh, Darren Eckert obviously he's our battalion chief out of station one we've got Captain George Westman stand up George <laughs> Captain George Westman our two new lieutenants if you guys could stand again this is our station one officers station three We've got uh, Matt Montaigne, he's our battalion chief. We've got Mike Weber, who's our captain. We've got Bryce Wozlowski, and then our newest uh, lieutenant, Jake. So this is the group of uh, individuals that actually are running this fire department. They're the ones that are making sure things are getting done. They do a fantastic job, 
And uh, again, in the vein of trying to create a culture where people want to be here, this group right here is doing an amazing job. And uh, again, the community should be proud, and we're extremely proud of them. So, and one more back there, too. Chief? Adam? Adam's back there. Oh, we got Adam Montaigne, too. <laughs> <laughs> so again, thank you to the families, thank you to all, all of you that are here, and again, thank you for allowing us to come here and again highlight some of the things that are going on right now. So with that, you know, we talked about the importance of recognizing our retired folks. Um, Mr. Mayor, you know, I, you've got a list of uh, individuals that you're going to recognize, and I'm going to turn it over to you. All right, thank you. Well, I have two proclamations to read this evening. The first one is for Kevin Stewart. Whereas it is the privilege of Centerville citizens to recognize the public service of Kevin Stewart, who joined Centennial Fire District in July of 1996 as a firefighter. And whereas Kevin was a key member of the fire department during his tenure, served as firefighter and captain. And whereas yeah. Kevin was certified at the firefighter two level, EMT level. And what he's in, whereas, it's get you. Um, whereas, Captain Stewart completed numerous specialized training courses and seminars about various areas of firefighting and emergency medical care. And whereas, during his years of service, Kevin was a Station 3 captain who assisted as an EMS and a fire instructor. Kevin was highlighted, Karen was, Kevin was a highlighted presence at Station 3 working as a mentor to new firefighters and assisting them throughout their careers. He received several commendations in recognition of his commitment to fire protection and the community. Now therefore be it resolved that the city of Centerville acknowledges with sincere appreciation the dedicated and loyal service of Captain Kevin Stewart who retired on October 21st, 2020 after 24 years of service to the citizens of the city. to recognize Steve Ruff. Whereas it is the privilege of Centerville citizens to recognize the public service of Steve Ruff who joined the Centennial Fire District June of 2008 as a firefighter. And whereas Steve was a key member of the fire department during his tenure served as firefighter. And whereas Steve was certified as at the Firefighter 2 level EMT level. And whereas Firefighter Ruff completed numerous specialized training courses and seminars about various areas of firefighting, emergency medical care. And whereas, during his years of service, Steve started his career in Circle Pines at Station 1 and transitioned to Station 3 when he moved. He brought over years of service and a dedication to the department. He received several commendations in recognition of his commitment to fire protection and the community. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the City of Centerville acknowledges with sincere appreciation, the dedication, and loyal service of firefighter Steve Ruff, who retired on January 11th of 2021 after 13 years of service to the citizens of the city. Unfortunately, they weren't here. A few less whereas's for me. 
Did we lose you? No, Chief. Anything further? Uh, no, again, thank you. I look forward to coming back here hopefully quarterly. I can come back, give a brief update on all the good things going on at the fire department. Uh, we'll have a handful of new folks starting over the next several months that we'd obviously like to get here and recognize them as well. So um, I did fail to introduce one person back there as well. <laughs> so back there as, uh, as my deputy chief, Matt Grants, he, uh, He's the guy that's pretty much running the fire department. I get to do the 30,000 foot view stuff. Matt's the one that's in the trenches dealing with everything day in and day out. So couldn't do my job without Matt, so want to make sure he gets his due as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you all, and thanks for coming out. And we're going to, yes, please. Standing for these Absolutely. Thank you all so much for watching. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, this, this feels kind of anticlimactic to jump back into business, but um, we need to jump back into business and get things moving along. But we will we'll give the council chambers a few moments to empty out. That's why I said you came on a great night. That normally doesn't happen. All right. So the next order of business is approval of the minutes. The first set of minutes are from our September 27th of 2023 City Council and work session as well. Oh, nope. And meeting minutes. Does anyone have any changes or annotations <coughs> for those meeting minutes? Would anyone like to make a motion for approval of those minutes? So moved. We have a motion. We have a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed by the same sign. Motion carries. Um, approval of minutes number two, October 11th of 2023, City Council and closed executive session. Anyone have any changes? Anyone like to make a motion for approval? So moved. We have a motion. Do we have a second? Second. We have a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed by the same sign. Motion carries. Does any council members want to have any items pulled from the consent agenda for further discussion this evening? All right, hearing none, do we have a motion for approval of the consent agenda as presented? So moved. Do we have a motion? Do we have a second? I'll second that one. All right. Um, I thought I heard, uh, it was close, but I think I heard Councilmember Moser. All right, we have a motion and a second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed by the same sign. Motion carries. All right, we move into old business and old business item number one, public works capital equipment purchase update. Can I share your thoughts? Yeah, Mr. Mayor and Council, I, I wanted to bring this back to you. I, I try not to bring too many updates into the business section of the meeting, but I felt, felt like this was a pretty important um, item. So uh, I believe one meeting ago, if not two, uh, we approved um, it was already in our capital plan, capital requip, equipment replacement plan. We approved the purchase of three trucks. Um, essentially, we were, we were buying a one ton, a three quarter ton, and then we were uh, looking at replacing a half ton with another three quarter ton. Actually, that was one of the, uh, must have been a few meetings ago, because I recall that Steve um, was in favor of sort of replacing the half ton with a three quarter ton, uh, thinking about the resale value and all that kind of thing. Um, 
So we, uh, as everyone knows, the world of uh, car buying and, and uh, equipment buying in general is just topsy-turvy right now. Um, prices are outrageous, um, and even if you can get a decent price, the availability of them is two, three years out sometimes. Sometimes they're just not even letting you order them. So we used to have this great system, and we still have the system, but it's not as great as it used to be. We used to have this system called the state bid. So as you know, um, when cities buy things, you got to take a couple of bids, um, or when you do a construction project, same thing. Um, in the case of equipment, the state finally realized that, well, why are we having everybody go out and get three quotes for everything they do? Let's just go out and bid out everything that cities need. We'll have this list of pre-vetted bids. And so you've got very competitive prices on um, things because there's a, essentially, if you win the state bid, every city in the state is going to get your um, equipment. And so um, we used to get discounts off a of sticker price for trucks in the, in the neighborhood of 35 to 40%. So um, we were buying half-ton pickups for 24,000 bucks. Um, you know, it was very, very affordable. The last go-around, maybe three years ago, that, that changed a bit. We were closer to like maybe a 20% discount on a sticker. Um, at this point, that, that discount is down to about 15%. Um, and that's, that's just a, in general, that's not a set number. Um, so we're not really, um, the prices just aren't what we had in the capital improvement plan from, you know, when we put the capital improvement plan together five years ago. And even as we've updated uh, as best we can, the prices that were um, on the state bid when, when it sort of opened up. So it used to be just open all the time. You could go order a truck, you'd get it in a couple months, and voila. Uh, nowadays, they kind of put out the all call and say, we're going to open the bid for like a week, and you can give us your order, and good luck. And so they did that. They opened it up for uh, maybe two weeks. We put our order in and um, came back. And used to be, again, the prices were published. Now you got to put your order in and get the pricing. Um, Pricing came back such that even the direction the council gave us, which was to go ahead and spend up to 20% more than the prices we had in the capital plan, um, only the one ton was within that threshold. So we went ahead and ordered the one ton, and that was 18% over sticker, or not over sticker, over what we had in the plan. Um, the two three-quarter tons were actually more expensive than the one ton. <coughs> um, and so, as you can imagine, our price in the capital plan was quite a bit less for a three-quarter ton. Um, and so we did not end up ordering those, um, and in fact, we didn't order either one of the two. And so uh, our plan for now is to, um, quote unquote, tough it out with our existing pickups. We're going to keep our eyes open, and because things are fluid with this whole situation, um, we're going to keep our eyes open in terms of brands. We were fairly set on Chevys, if a Ford or a Dodge or a Toyota comes along, we're probably going to um, look at those within the price, you know, if, if they're within that price range that we talked about. Um, ultimately, we're going to have to face the reality here that maybe that just isn't, the prices that we're going to need to be ready to pay are going to need to be higher. And Bruce and I are working on what that looks like in terms of your capital plan. And we'll come back to you with some information on that uh, in the coming weeks here. But um, for now, we're just going to kind of keep our eyes open on the state bid um, and look for other ways of being creative with what we have. I think for now we're going to, the, obviously the plan was normally to take the one ton and sell the old one. I think at this point we're going to keep 
both vehicles. Um, the new one won't be here for quite some time. It's got to get equipped and all that kind of stuff as well, and it, it just won't be delivered at all and, um, for several months. So um, the plan for now is to keep the additional one ton. Um, as you recall, we have a, an additional staff member that was approved, and that's going to be a hire in uh, early part of 2024. Um, and during the summer months, we end up having um, normally we have six total, excuse me, eight total people um, with six vehicles, so two summer help go together in a vehicle. Now we'll have um, nine total people, so we'd like to have seven vehicles available at that point in time. Um, so at this point in time, that's our plan until things open up and we're maybe able to look at, uh, again, a different vehicle um, array. Um, so I wanted to give everybody the update, let people know that we did go ahead with the purchase of one of them, uh, that was one ton, um, but we're, um, as of yet, not making a purchase on the, either the three-quarter tons. Um, open to discussion if, if people think there's um, a, a reason to sort of change course and, um, you know, make an immediate move on, on something here, but I think right now my preference and, and Paul's preference is to sort of wait and see a little bit on things. I think even though inflation is scary um, and it doesn't seem that prices are going to go down, I don't know that they're continuing up at 8% year over year, right? I, I think that they've leveled off a bit um, and that we have um, a lot of things right now in the market that are bad, right? I mean, we've got a, a labor strike, we've got parts that aren't coming in from wherever they're coming from. So I, we just can't imagine the conditions getting much worse and it seems like a good time to not panic and buy high, right? I think we'd like to just let the market settle out just a bit and see where things are at, you know, six years from, uh, six months from now. Mark, I'm curious, you noted that the one tons were more expensive, I'm sorry, three quarter tons were more expensive than the one tons. Yeah. How much more, you know, you did the percentages for us, how much more were the one tons than what we had set aside for uh, the three quarter tons? I think they were 50 some percent higher, 50 right. percent oh, oh, oh. Right. I, I want to say the one ton was uh, 42,000 and the three quarter ton was 43-ish. Okay, so not appreciably less. Okay, all right, thank you for that. And, and I should I should say that the 42,000 does not include the dump box that we're going to be putting on, and so there's some expenses that we, that are on a, if you're going to buy a one ton it's usually because you're going to put a dump box on it and the plow and all that kind of stuff. And so there's a lot more equipment that goes onto a one-ton, so it's a little bit of a misnomer to say that the one-ton is less expensive. The base truck is less expensive, but the one-ton will still be more. Okay. All right. Other council questions, Russ? Did we look at uh, half-tons? Uh, the pricing was not immediately available on those. Paul is asking for a quote on those uh, or to, you know, when that window would open up again, um, we have not received anything on that. The big change for the three-quarter ton was that um, it used to be available with or without the Allison transmission. Now it's available with the transmission, and so that's a five, six thousand dollar ad. Um, and that was kind of one of the big um, driving factors on the price. So, um, you know, they're nice to have and they help resale value and all that kind of stuff. But depending on what you're doing not necessarily necessary with the amount of miles we put on our trucks. You know, and so um, previously we had not <coughs> bought ones with the Allison transmission. 
because originally they were going to be half tons anyway. Yeah, one of them was, right? Yeah. 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 So if we could get by, and I don't know, i got to believe a lot of it's based on supply and demand, right? Right. So um, the uh, half tons may be right up there with in price anyway with the rest of them. Yeah. So but that's, that's all I have. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Very good. Do you have anything? Roland? Gary? Is the resale on the one tons better than the three quarter? Um, I mean, if we bought one tons to replace the three quarter tons that you want, or right. uh, we don't have to put on dump boxes if we. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, that's a fair question. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I guess you know what the, um, as a percentage, you know, would you get rid of that one ton? I would think, yeah. I mean, um. I think again, it's it's probably not long. The reason we kind of jumped on the one ton was that I can't believe that that's going to hold true much longer. I got a feeling there's going to be enough of a demand that's going to push those higher as well pretty soon. And um, so yeah, that's an interesting question. If the if the resale is the same or better, maybe we just go to more one tons. Obviously, the less fuel efficient and stuff like that. But not for the amount much. of miles, for the amount of miles we use, and, you know. Or if we need two, why don't we experiment? Give one with just. Not the dump box on it. What else they put on them? Plows? Yeah, I, I believe that one of the three quarters at least was going to have a plow on it. That'd be a good yeah. candidate. Yeah. I would I would be in favor of that. It's kind of why I asked what I asked. Uh, yeah. What percentage over the three quarter that we had set aside with the one ton B? Uh, that's the 50, well, 48% <coughs> or something, maybe, yeah. Did I understand I that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you said that the price point that they came in at, the one tons came in at, sorry, that the three quarters came at was higher than the one ton. Yes. And, so. and the price point was 53% more than we had in the budget. For, <coughs> for a one ton. For a three quarter. No, for a three quarter. For the three quarter tons were 53% more than was in the budget. So the one ton would be 48% more because it's, you know, the, right. I don't know okay. what so that is. It's not appreciable. I thought one ton was 18%, you said. 18% over what we had in the budget for a one ton, right. but compared to a three-quarter ton. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's, I kind of thought that, but that's why I was asking the question, so Gary clarified my question. All right. Does anyone have any desire to change anything or allow it to move forward as we are currently? And I, and I won't say that we're going to stand pat and static. Well, I think Paul and Bruce and I are going to look at Again, reinventing wheels, just like you're doing in the fire service right now, just going, well, how are we going to do this? Sure. Um, and we'll kind of come back to you with a new proposal. But just, I wanted you to know, too, that we're going to keep our eye open. We're not just sitting on our hands either. So I would say if we wanted to put a plow on one of them to get another one ton and just see where we end up with that. No, and we can we can bring something like that back to you to <coughs> see if that's, that you know, we'll kind of price that all out with all those, that and, equipment. And Mark, these are singer if you don't mind. These are single, single rear wheel, right? The one tons, I would say, are a dually. Yeah. Um, that that might be one of the reasons we wouldn't go to the one ton is that the three quarter ton um, is a little bit more agile. In fact, we would miss. We might plow trails with them, um, or like some of the wider trails. We might go down where you wouldn't go down with a one ton with a dually on the back. Um, and resale on a single rear wheel, it's going to be. Probably higher than a dually because uh, you know there's not as big of a demand for a dual rear wheel. But I mean, there's all that stuff that goes into it. I don't want to put on the weeds here. But 
Are we anticipating a change to our 2024 budget as a result? Um, because this is coming out of the capital fund, um, not necessarily, but I think, yeah, we will, you will see us, um, so we have a, Bruce just actually kind of did a draft of the memo today on where we're at since September. Um, a lot of things still moving around, right? Uh, ended up that we are paying a little less with police, mm -hmm. formula being what as it is with a phase-in. So we have a little money to work with there. Um, you guys added some money to the capital fund at, uh, sort of at the last minute there. So we'll, we'll kind of come back with some of that, and we I think one of our suggestions may be to take that savings up from the police, put it into the capital fund, um, might be a suggestion, but it doesn't have to affect your budget because it's not a budget line item, it's coming from the capital fund, so. Right, but it would impact our budget if we raise Down the road, you, you, you gotta yeah. watch out for kicking the can down the road too far, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. okay. All right, thank you. Okay, um, we have moved new business item number one till after the recessed work session, so we're gonna go to new business item number two, ordinance XXX, second series, first reading, native landscapes. Yeah, Mr. Mayor and Council, um, state statute um, <clears throat> was recently adopted to require us to allow native landscapes. Um, staff came up with a very simple um, addition to your code to basically say, um, right now your code says you can't let anything grow over eight inches. Um, Essentially, that's what it says. Uh, it has some exceptions. You know, uh, we just added that one of those exceptions to be managed native landscapes, rather than go through and reiterate everything that's in the state statute. We just said let's go to that. There's a very nice definition in state statute, so we're just referencing state statute. Um, and so we were essentially allowing these at any rate. Um, I, I really not a big change for us, and um, we're just trying to comply with state statute here. So. This is the first reading of this ordinance, um, and so we come back next uh, meeting and have an adoption of the ordinance. Okay. Anyone have any questions in reference to this first reading? All right, it's the first reading, so we will move on to new business item number three, ordinance XXX, second series, second reading, medical facilities. Maybe I'll just turn this over to um, Athanasia just to kind of let her uh, take this one and, and uh, no, let, let, her, let us know where we're going with it. And uh, certainly Attorney Glazer can step in as well and uh, give us his thoughts. I know he put a lot of time into a memo and has been looking at this issue for a long time. Again, the background here is that we were aware that there was some people shopping around for um, what's commonly known as a methadone clinic location, and we wanted to make sure our ordinances had adequate protections for our community um, while still respecting the fact that those facilities have a serve a purpose in our community. And, and um, so, um, Athanasi and Kurt have been working hard to kind of come up with that. And maybe Athanasi, you just want to sure. summarize what you're doing? Sure, yeah. So, um, we had a moratorium on medical facilities, which is expiring on November 1st. So, we uh, thought it was very important to go ahead and get ahead of this issue, um, as our Administrator Stocks was saying uh, about the inquiry. Um, Attorney Glasser prepared a um, memo with findings as to, you know, reasons that um, you might want to regulate or put conditions on facilities such as this. Um, we didn't really have a whole lot of information in our, we didn't have a place placement of these facilities or 
conditions in place um, and or definitions. And so um, Attorney Gleiser and I worked on um, a definition, which we used state statute definition uh, for a substance abuse treatment clinic. Um, and then we put in, um, an IEP on it, and uh, there are several conditions. And then can you scroll down so we can look at the, the conditions um, on page two of the, of the ordinance? So we, we thought placement in the uh, commercial B2 Main Street district was appropriate um, so that they were, the facilities would be very visible and we would certainly learn of any potential problems uh, quickly should they arise. And then there's uh, a list of conditions um, for facilities such as this um, in terms of distance from uh, daycare or educational facilities um, as well as um, requirements for traffic control plan from the facility, you know, loitering in front of the building is prohibited, um, and then uh, the conditions are outlined right here. And then we updated our table, uh, 156A, um, with the IUP, and then um, that's pretty much what we did. Um, I would like to ask if Attorney Glazer wants to talk about anything with the findings. Um, because he worked on that memo, which we considered for the ordinance. So the, these treatment clinics are, are, can be a valuable asset to the community and to the individuals that need substance abuse treatment. And the experience of other communities has sometimes been mixed. Um, and so we researched what other communities had uh, both experienced and what they had done to kind of address and allow the, the substance abuse clinics to be there. So this list comes from two sources. One is just the research we did from the various cities like Duluth um, that had clinics. And also then from um, some federal sources that are a licensing agency about the community plans and how they, uh, they're recommended whenever substance abuse clinics are in the community. Because both, there are problems with, with some of the clinics where there can be uh, substance abuse dealing sometimes around the clinics and there's community impacts. So I think that there are ways with this plan that we can uh, help address those. But also, I thought it was wise that we put in the recommendation <coughs> for community involvement and a community relations plan because some of, the, some of the things that are perceived as problems from the clinics sometimes aren't real problems. And having a good communication source with the community and really put that onus on the, the clinic as part of their business plan is the key here. Is that, you know, one of the problems that we saw is that the business plan of some of these clinics ended up being, we'll rely on the city and emergency resources as part of our security, as part of our medical services, and we want to put the financial burden on the, the clinics themselves. And so that's what this plan does, is it, we want to make these clinics self-sufficient and not a burden to the community, and help in the way that they need help. Thank you. All right. Any council member have any questions or comments? Darren? No? Russ? Yeah, I think that was my um, thought, is what's the uh, impact on public safety as far as police and fire, and, and not just financially, but, you know, what does it do 
to the uh, what effect does that and impact does that have? You know, because does it increase the calls and the type of calls and and it's it's just multiple impacts on that. So that that was one of the concerns I had, um, and I think that's being addressed. And um, so this is going to be an IUP. Yes, um, Kurt and I talked about that a, a good for a while, um, and we thought that the IUP would be better in this instance um, with a two-year um, time frame. So, yeah, the difference between an IUP, an interim use permit, and a conditional use permit, a conditional use permit is something that's permanent and runs with the land. These clinics will be licensed by mostly state authorities and some federal licensure, and the two years just runs with their license. So if they don't renew their license, they can't, they can't continue their operation there. Um, so, you know, that it seemed like a very wise amount of timing because they're going to have to re-up with the state every two years anyway, and we'll just kind of get in sync with their license. So, in every two years, we got to renew that IUP. We can do that. Yeah. And can IUPs go longer than two? Can you set? You can set them as a council <coughs> at any amount that you want. Uh, you know, this came from the Planning and Zoning Commission as a recommendation because it coincides with. I have any questions either. Would anyone like to make a motion for approval of Ordinance XXX Second Series Medical Facilities? So um, move. We have a we have a motion. We have a second. second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Hearing none. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed by the same sign. Motion carries. All right, ordinance or new business item number four. Ordinance XXX Second Series Second Reading. M1 and M2 zoning district density. Mr. Stats. Yeah, Mr. Mayor and Council, as you'll recall, this is um, an attempt to uh, marry up the, the um, city code, the comprehensive plan, and the downtown master plan and have them all um, be congruent with each other uh, with regard to the density requirements in the M1 and M2 districts. Um, in the zoning code, it's very clear that M1 and M2 are, those are clearly defined. In the comprehensive plan, it's those are two are lumped together and talked about as mixed-use districts or a central business district. Um, and in the downtown master plan, there's two separate districts, and that they clearly correlate to M1 and M2, but they're just called different things. They're called a neighborhood corridor, and a, a, I want to forget the names of them. There's two different names that aren't M1 and M2, but they're uh, exactly correlated. So, um, wanted to get those married up and. Um, Last meeting, we uh, approved the comprehensive plan amendment, and we approved um, the change to the downtown master plan. So those items have uh, been passed, and this is uh, the appropriate order of things. We always change a comprehensive plan first, and then city code follows <coughs> um, within, uh, usually within a year of the change of that plan, you change the city code to match that. Um, and so this would be appropriate to um, pass and be the kind of the final step to get all that uh, in sync. And this is our second reading, so I'll just um, look to see if anyone has any questions or comments. All right, hearing none, do I have a motion for approval of Ordinance XXX Second Series M1 and M2 Zoning District Density? I'll make that motion. 
We have a motion. Do we have a second? Second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? All right. Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed by the same sign. Motion carries. All right. New business item number five. Council November 22nd, 2023. City Council work session and council meeting and or canceling of that and then the scheduling of a work session basically moving the work session from the second meeting to the first meeting we'll make it simple uh, i don't know that we need any further explanation on that does anyone want to make a motion for approval i'll make that motion we have a motion do we have a second second we have a motion and a second any further discussion Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed by the same sign. Motion carries. All right, new business item number six, call for closed session, Ray, labor union negotiation. Yeah, Mr. Mayor, there's two, uh, I won't try to get too in the weeds here as being an attorney, because uh, I'm not one, but um, there's two, well, there's multiple ways to call for, or reasons to call for a closed session, and there's two separate clauses in the state statute that deal with various reasons. Um, for a labor union negotiation, the more appropriate statute or the more commonly used statute to have that closed session is 13D03. Uh, previously, we've used 1305 uh, because anything you involve your attorney in, sort of just to get their advice, can be closed for that reason. Uh, but we wanted to be just a little bit more transparent about what we're doing here. So either way is perfectly appropriate, just felt like it was more, um, again, more transparent. And what the unique thing about 1303 is that it requires you to, uh, by a majority vote in a public meeting, um, call for uh, this special uh, closed session. And so um, I thought uh, if we, I'm anticipating that we'll have a, an agreement with the union um, ready for your next meeting, and so I wanted to have a closed session in which you guys could make any final um strategy uh, session and uh, discuss anything further with me that whether or not you're um, ready to take action on that so it's kind of a placeholder in, in case we need it I think we may be ready to come back with a contract uh, that is along the lines of what we discussed in closed session um, but I'd like to again uh, just have one on the agenda for next time so the reason you have the puzzle look on my face I maybe speak for everyone else because I'm thinking to myself we, we have closed sessions for these things all the time. I've never had it on the agenda to call for yeah, one yep, for the next yep. meeting. So. And it's unique to this part of the statute for labor negotiations for whatever reason. So. Okay. Perfect. Um, I shared my puzzled look. Does anyone else have any comments? Um, question, would we have this closed session discussion be prior to the meeting or after? I think we'd do the same kind of thing we're doing tonight, which is we'd have the agenda item, and actually even in closed session, uh, or does the vote need to be in uh, open session on, on this? We come back open. And no, is it uh, because it could be ongoing, so your vote can be secret. But then, once the labor negotiation or once the contract is signed, then it all becomes public, and so we have to record those meetings too, and that even that recording becomes public. So, in other words, we could have the agenda item to approve this. Uh, we could have a motion to approve the labor contract within the closed session. Um, so we'll kind of decide on the format of that. But otherwise, we could recess and come back into our regular meeting and vote on it as well. So, And, and just a thought I had, because it's I'm going to guess since we're not going to have that meeting on the 22nd, the uh, work session might be 
I think it's going to be a full night, so I just kind of wonder where we yeah. would place no, that. No, it would be at the end of the meeting, yeah. yeah. Thank you. All right. Anyone else? All right. I'll entertain a motion for approval of the closed session regarding labor union negotiations as a part of our next meeting. I'll make that motion. Second. All right. Since you call second, we'll let it go that route. Mr. Mayor, uh, since yes, there's a second week for discussion, yes. I hate to be picky, but could I have you read the motion as it's um, stated because it's got certain things in there that need to be in there? I'll borrow a paper copy. <laughs> right. Making Kurt proud here. So I think technically we'll right. be asking for a friendly so, amendment. So, a friendly amendment to make the motion read as motion to hold a closed session to consider strategy for labor negotiations immediately following the regular council meeting on November 8th of 2023 at City Hall. I'm sure it was at the City Hall part that was <laughs> that I missed. All right. Do you accept that friendly amendment? Absolutely. Exactly. All right. So, now that we have a motion and a second, any other discussion? All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed by the same sign. <coughs> Motion carries. All right. Uh, new business item number seven, plan and zoning recommendations for rezoning 7353 20th Avenue North to R2A. Mr. Stotts. Mr. Mayor and Council, uh, the Planning Commission held a public hearing on this issue of um, a requested rezoning for 7353 20th Avenue. Um, the request is uh, from the owner of the property uh, who is looking to um, renovate the existing home into a duplex. Uh, a duplex is not an allowed use in the R2 district, which is the current zoning. R2A would allow that. Um, and the Planning Commission uh, weighed both options, uh, either going uh, allowing the rezoning or not, and um, came up with a recommendation to uh, move forward with the rezoning, so that is the Planning Commission's recommendation. Um, the one caveat they had was that they would like staff to explore the, to adding a condition to the um, rezoning request that there be a, an easement um, granted through the property. Um, I've added some figures in the in the uh, city council packet here to try to illustrate that. Um, So just a reminder of everyone where this is, this is the former Robin Moore property in the northeast side of town along 20th Avenue, just north of the Deer Pass development. So this green square here, whatever the color that is, um, not the park, but this parcel here. It's about a one acre parcel. Um, and the 19 acres that surround it is where once was proposed Peltier Estates, a 24 home uh, detached townhouse development uh, by Sharper Homes. Um, Sharper Homes still owns that property and is, every time I talk to them, every six months or so, they say they're still interested in doing it, but have yet to really come forward and, and put that in front of us recently. So um, that's the location of the property. Again, there's an existing home on there that has been, uh, for lack of a better term, condemned. It's boarded up, can't be re resided in right now. It's missing essential services, water, electricity, that kind of stuff. Um, so the Again, the, owner of the, the new owner of the property is requesting a rezoning to renovate that home into a duplex. Um, as you saw, the Planning and Zoning Commission did uh, recommend approval. There was some public commentary 
Um, that's reflected in the minutes here, the unapproved minutes, so that you had um, get a, a sense for what the public thought of the issue. Um, mostly, you know, there were just concerns because the property was a problem before. A lot of police calls, a lot of um, trespassing and those type of issues, uh, a lot of loitering about and folks that weren't part of the ownership group of that uh, property. So um, mostly just wanting to not repeat what they saw there for the last several years. Um, the applicant, the owner, uh, assured them that that was not the intent and that they would be doing their due diligence to make sure that the um, rental, if it becomes a rental, which would, is likely that the renters would be well vetted. Um, you know, I think part of the discussion here is that um, while a rental housing, sometimes folks uh, have a negative opinion of or, or think <coughs> that perhaps there's uh, uh, potential for um, additional problems because they're not invested in the property themselves, um, you know, I think is um, something which I discussed in the fact that you know, with a rental license that we issue, we actually have a little bit more control over rental properties than we do over single-family owned homes um, in many regards. So we have the ability to pull a license if someone is um, becoming a problem and rather than um, a homeowner who you can't just tell to move out because they're a bit of a problem. So um, I think there is some control there that is exercised by having a, the property be a rental, which it's more likely to be if it's a, a duplex. Um, so again, I won't read through verbatim all the public comments, but you got a sense of that. And then um, kind of back to the trail issue. Um, there is a stub of a trail that you can see is constructed here out of the north end of Deer Pass. This trail obviously was constructed with a thought that someday it would go through and connect into the 20 acres north of it. I don't know the history of what came first, the chicken or the egg there, but I, I believe the Moore property was already there when that trail was built. I think the, the thought was that it would probably be wrapped up in the redevelopment of the 20 acres um, and that there would be an opportunity to rearrange everything and make that trail location make sense. Um, obviously taking that trail directly north here just doesn't really work with if the property isn't rearranged in some fashion. Um, it, it does, uh, you know, it does present an opportunity to perhaps either uh, come out to the, the road, the county road with an easement, um, or head west along the back part of the property line and then north and then hooking into the larger development that would be uh, the Sharper Homes 24 unit development. Um, I pulled up uh, the, um, the map of that previously de proposed development just for some context. Of course, nothing requires them to come back with the same concept. They could come back with a totally different concept. Uh, but this is what was proposed. Um, and the dashed line that I drew in there is sort of a, an imaginary trail that we may think that uh, would be appropriate um, if you were to have an easement granted by this property owner as a part of the rezoning. Um, what this allows, I wanted to kind of give you the larger context. So again, here with this cul-de-sac, um, there was a boardwalk planned to get through to Bryan Drive where there's a trail network, a sidewalk network. This, this um, at one point we talked about the cul-de-sac actually connecting in and not having a cul-de-sac on either side. That was um, 
kind of negotiated out during the process. There's a lot of wetland across there. We kind of came up with this idea of having a boardwalk so at least there's a pedestrian connection. Because it is a bit um, dicey here for this development and the Deer Pass development to participate in our walkable city because they really need to get out onto the busy county road. Even though there's a wide shoulder there, it's a very high speed, busy road and it's a bit dangerous for them to get out to get down to 73rd um, at the moment. So trail connections are important, I think, to this, this area and this future development. Obviously what I've got drawn here still requires them to get on a road for a stretch and get back on a boardwalk, but it's a cul-de-sac. It's not 55 miles an hour county highway. So it's a, a bit different there. Um, so that's the sort of immediate context. What I also wanted to show though was the, the broader context of the trail map um, in terms of what this means for the neighborhood. So again, here's that trail on Bryan Drive. It's really a sidewalk, but you can get, so now what this connection would allow is people on Deer Pass and the future Peltier Estates to get out to Acorn Creek Park, get out to the sidewalk network that you can then, from Bryan Drive, you can go anywhere in the city um, on, on a trail. And so um, it is an important connection, and I, I see this as our one opportunity to um, facilitate this easement. And um, so it, it'd be my recommendation that we make a requirement of the rezoning to um, have an easement dedicated along the south and west sides of the property um, to accommodate a future trail. Oh. Do you have any thoughts and comments from the council? We're going to start with you, Rowan. It makes sense to me, I think, with the easement and connecting all the trails and everything. I think I'm fine with the way it was proposed and fine going that route. You're okay with the R2, R2A, rather? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I actually like the idea of putting that into R2A. It's a very interesting property and has definitely gone through a lot of change. Um, I think it gives us a little bit more regulatory control. Uh, rather than flipping for single-family home, they're gonna they're gonna lose on it if they do that. They've done a lot of work over that on that property in the last eight months, um, and it's been really tough on them. So I think the option is probably positive for them and us. Uh, I think the easement's a bonus um, that it would be an appropriate time to do that. Yeah, I think if we were going to, we had it in the plan prior to, uh, with Peltier um, Estates to change that to R2A anyway. It's only, it's just a, it fits, yeah. right? So my guess would be that's going to go back to R2A. It's expired now, right? Yes. Yeah, so we would probably get another plan for another R2A anyhow. That would fit, makes sense. I like the way you put the trail in there. Um, that's, I think, a good use of that property. Um, could we mark, um, and, I, and I like that whole boardwalk idea. We went through quite a bit of discussion back in the day on that, as I recall. Yeah. And I went and spoke with a couple of the neighbors, too, I believe, as I recall. Just in case, Mark, can we put an easement going east? So we, you got it going west there from your purple line coming out of Deer Pass. Oh, good point, the entire southern <coughs> Line. Yeah, exactly. Just in case we need it, can we have it written in there? So, here's what I would say about that. I, I think that if we're directing people out to the county road, I would say that near past people could just simply go down the cul-de-sac and get out to that. And part of the reason why I'm saying that, though, excuse me, I 
but that county road may change because we had that meeting and that corridor, yep. you know, and I don't know what they're going to do with it, but if they put a, some, they might slow that whole thing down because that field to the north of Peltier Estates is going to be home someday too, more than likely. Yeah. You know, and I'm just thinking if we, if we could somehow put that in just in case we don't, we don't know what it's going to look like in 10 years. Because across from 20th now, they do have an established bike yeah, path exactly. that was not originally there. Right. Maybe they can connect, maybe? I, yeah, and again, I think if you're going to get across to, or, or just out to a, let's say, a future bike path on the west side of the road, I would I would think that this is not the right direction. It, it would just be staying in the cul-de-sac and going out. I think we would abandon this little trail segment. If if this didn't connect into Peltier Estates and there was a, I mean, it, you, can, you can see the, the alternate here is to just have a path along the west side that connects these two cul-de-sacs that's off-road, right, and off, just like it is across the street mm -hmm. where you feel safe taking your kids on a bike ride and you don't have to get out on the county road, you're just in the boulevard in the right-of-way. Um, that's the, the alternate here is that if we were to be able to establish a, a path on the west side, you just get out and then up into the cul-de-sacs where you're a little bit more safe. So I think in that case we would probably just be abandoning this uh, little connection to the through the north end there. Yeah, to me, that's not any different than what we're doing anyway, because you're creating that path into Deer Pass for what? They have to end on Deer Pass or they have to go out on the road anyway. We're creating sure. an alternative to the road traffic, even if it's short, by you know the citizens in the future Peltier estates that may or may not ever exist on that cul-de-sac, instead of choosing to go out to the road and cross over and down, they can just take a shorter loop sure. down to Deer Pass or not but they can choose to do that on a trail rather than a long road. Any further? Sit. All right, thank you. Mayor? So they're turning that existing home into a duplex? Correct. Uh, that's the proposal. There's a lot of work um, in terms of like whether or not this even can physically be done in terms of working with our building official and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a major undertaking. Yeah. What about the outbuilding there? Is that in the same condition, or? Uh, so, so there's some discussion on that uh, with our building official. You know, in, in terms of um, the zoning here, if we change the zoning, um, we change the use, so it's no longer a single-family use. It's a, it's a um, multi-family use, and with a change in use, we have an ability to enforce the code a bit more than we do with something that's just flipping. There's the, the grandfathering rights, so to speak, go away. Um, and so we think that the garage, at least the portions of the garage, so there's a lean-to type portion of it, would have to go away. That's not an allowed part of um, a garage structure. The structure itself um, is a block structure and might be able to be adapted. Um, we're not entirely sure on that at this point, but um, that's part of what the applicant will have to propose on is what, how they see that building fitting into city code. I'm not sure that it does in its current configuration. Okay, but they were, you know, they're converting the house to a duplex. Yeah. Is, okay. At least, again, this would allow them to attempt that. I don't want to make any promises. There's a lot of, a lot of minutia in the building code that isn't worked out yet, you know, and that this is first step in that, right? There's no sense in going through all that if 
it's not allowed by the zoning. Right. So we're just looking at the, turning it over to R2A with yep. the appropriate path. Yep. Okay. Thank you. My questions really were kind of mirroring Darren's a little bit as far as the ability to turn that house into a, a duplex. I'm assuming they want to do a side-by-side. -side. Um, I don't know. I mean, the applicant is here, Mr. Mayor, if you wanted to have him come up and say anything. Sure. Uh, well, one other question I had then um, is you said do something with the garage. I mean, as far as what? So it's... Um, it could be turned into another garage. It don't, will not be another okay. living that's, garage. Yes, yes, that's, yeah, yeah. that's why I was asking. I was like, okay, you just alluded to something yeah. that I wanted to make sure. I uh, again, if that's even possible under the code, I don't want to make any promises here, but it's not entirely clear if that's even possible with the code either, the way okay. the building is constructed. Yeah. So. And, and my questions aren't tangential to the to the um, vote that we need to make tonight. There's yep. more curiosity, which is, is neither here nor there. So. Um, does anyone else have any other? All right. Well, yes, Mr. Please, Brand, I, yeah, I'm just sorry, and I asked this question I think before, but and Mark kind of alluded to the answer um, with building inspection. But how do we? I don't quite get how we turn a building that's condemned to not being condemned anymore. And, and I, I just it, it just seems to me the expense would be so great that. That's one of the comments some one of the neighbors made. It's just like, why, why mess with it? Just tear it down, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a question only the applicant really can answer. I mean, that um, but one of the reasons you tearing it down um, and building a single duplex, um, you know, might be an option. But uh, anything more than that, you start to need a city street, and that was something we explored with the. The applicant at first, and that just didn't geometrically just didn't work out. There just wasn't enough room um, to fit a city street and a viable lot in, in there. Viable lots, I should say. So anything more than a duplex, a single duplex was was going to be uh, problematic in terms of city infrastructure. <coughs> All right. Well, and, and again, that's one of those curiosity questions. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't change the, the need to make our vote tonight. I guess we can all see how it plays out in the future. Uh, we'll, we'll drive by and peek, slow down a little bit and peek around the corner. <laughs> all right. Um, so, Mark, with our motion, then, would we have to make sure that it includes something in reference to the yeah, easement? I, I think what I heard tonight was that we would require um, the dedication of a 15-foot wide, I didn't maybe specify that, trail easement along the entire southern boundary of the property and the western boundary of the property. Um, I'm, I'm also thinking about the east side, but I think actually um, what's going to happen there is that when the county redoes that road, there will be a taking um, like we've seen happen on Main Street, um, and they'll go through that process, and part of that taking that right away will um, involve a trail if, it, if there is a trail as part of any any improvements to the road. So before I call for a vote, Mark, why would we want the entire southern portion if we're not going I, I to think go just, towards the county road? Um, I, I think I heard for opinions that people wanted to have that flexibility. It wasn't my opinion, but it was a valid opinion by some other council members. Well, I did hear that and I thought we, I thought it, I thought I heard us say 
and that didn't make sense. If they were going to go that way, they're just going to come out of the cul-de-sac anyway. I, I think there was opinion that there was a there was a, a nice flexibility um, to have. We don't that know option. what we're going to need at this point. So I would entertain a motion for <coughs> approval of turning the um, property to at 7353 20th Avenue North to R2A with a 15-foot easement on the south and west side of the property line. I will make that motion, Mr. Mayor. We have a motion. Do we have a second? Second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Just a quick note. Um, yes, please. Your motion does not include, nor is there any recommendation to make um, this applicant actually construct a trail. I just want to make that clear. Uh, for us, for us right now, because we don't know Pelters Estates is one year out, ten years out, a hundred years out, um, and you know you can see what happens when you pave trails to to know where they, they tend to sit, and sometimes. Yeah not make a lot of sense and so and deteriorate. Um, you have the easement, you have the ability to do it. Um, you know, this isn't a subdivision that it would be difficult, I think, to compel them to pay for uh, and build a trail. I think it's much uh, more reasonable to compel them to dedicate an easement. Well, Mr. Mayor, yes, May, on, on this discussion point, um, if we're not going to require that, which makes sense to have the developer pay for that, how would we get it paid for in the future? It would come out of the park capital fund. Okay. Um, do we need to change that motion? No, uh, unless unless we want to add it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. So we have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed by the same sign. Motion carries. All right, we are moving into our council and administrative announcements and updates. Uh, yes. Obviously, we had the, uh, the grand opening over at Amazon, which was a fun little event. Need to take a tour of the place and want to thank Amazon for being uh, accommodating there and um, scaring the you know what's out of us with the little uh, crackers there and. Uh, Confetti. It was quite the <laughs> quite the surprise, and look on some of our faces that uh, weren't expecting that. But um, no, it was, it was neat to meet some of the staff. I was glad to make some connections over there on key staff people that we can talk to about what's going on, and um, you know, get to know them on a personal level. So we have a clear line of communication. Uh, Amazon's going to be here for a long time, and they're going to be an important uh, player um, in our city. And it's one of those things where. Want to make sure you know somebody over there to call when there's a problem and um, in either direction, right? Whether the city's causing them a problem or, or they're causing us a problem. So, um, yeah, it was great to meet those folks and it looks like a nice crew over there. So, um, one little uh, more plug for the podcasts here. I know um, uh, North Metro put a little ad together, uh, so they wanted to share that little um, thing with us about the podcast. It's, uh, already getting a number of downloads that uh, people are doing it so it's, uh, it's something people are doing okay yeah <laughs> uh, put in one more plug for the fall mayor's minutes and uh, <laughs> get people to that uh, spot uh, we also have our, a number of volunteers spots as we discussed a little bit during the interviews tonight we are hopeful that we can fill some of these gaps with maybe we can only appoint one council member so 
that's four people that maybe can help us fill other spots. Um, and if you know, we're certain that those four are not going to fill all these. There's more than four circles there, so we hope that other people will continue to put their name forward um, and uh, help us fill those vacancies. Senator Cares, this, this um, go around is about domestic violence awareness, um, and um, again, just highlighting that that particular issue. And sheltering with pets. And well, can leave that out. I there looked over the right to make sure. Right. Okay, was nice enough to tell us about that at the last meeting. Um, the 20th Avenue Corridor study is it's gray, but I, I will just share that um, we are moving forward. The they kind of shut down the public uh, the online input section just so we can put a cap on that, put a bow on all the input, and the next round of input will be on actual drawings of what it might look like. So um, turn lanes, signals, roundabouts, medians, trails, crosswalks, all that kind of stuff will be laid out in multiple options, and um, it'll be a little bit, I think, a little bit more input friendly. The, the first round was much more open-ended and sort of, what do you think? is important to you. Sure. This will be more like, we're going to put, we're thinking about putting a roundabout here. What do you think of that? <laughs> and we'll get people's unvarnished opinions, I'm sure. Yep. So, um, so that, that'll be coming here, I would say, within the next three months. Um, all that's, that's the bulk of the work, right, is to put that geometric stuff together. That takes a little, a little bit of time. So I would say right after the new year, we'll start to see some of those and have some public hearings scheduled for that. So. Trunk or treat coming up. Um, got a lot of people signed up, a lot of businesses signed up, and got a lot of interest in on social media. So we're expecting a big crowd there. Um, business appreciation coming up as well. I just saw an email pop on on here while we were out that uh, said someone's going to be there. So that's good news. Um, lots of uh, opportunity there for people to meet and greet. Uh, so you may want to yeah, add something there. Yeah, I just want to add on the um, brochure that went out, it said that the RSVP um, to do that by October 23rd, which of course is it's past that. Um, I extended it to October 30th and then sent out another reminder to everybody to get, so we're hoping to get more participation. Just had a gentleman stop by today too, let us know he's going to be there. So we do have some interest, but we, you know, the more the merrier we would really like to. Fill up Kelly's there. So, um, with that, I think everything else has uh, either been covered or um, you know, I'd be glad to take any questions on them. Any questions for Mr. Stiles? Thank you. Thank uh, you. Other than the business appreciation, no. All right. Thank you. Yeah. The update we're working on our uh, annual budget uh, that we'll have. To the city council here shortly. Thank you. Uh, we had police and fire meeting right after the Thursday after our last council meeting. Um, we talked a lot about the uh, even in our council meeting the need for another truck, and we do have um, prospect on a new truck. It might be about a year or so before we can get it, but that is kind of the plan right now is um, they got their possibly um, a bead on a new truck rather than reconditioning one. And right now um, the idea of reconditioning a second truck is not off the table as far as I understood. I got the impression from 
what we talked about that night, especially from Patrick. But um, so we, we're, it looks like we're getting some resolution to the need, our need for a, a truck or two. And then budget-wise, we were we're doing pretty well on the budget. We're pretty close. I think we're going to end up a little bit over Mark is kind of what it yeah. looks like. Yeah. Um, but you know, we won't know. But we're close, and considering everything, all the challenges for the year. I think that's pretty good. So um, that's it for fire steering. We have not had a uh, um, planning and zoning meeting since our last council meeting. So, and a lot of that um, last planning and zoning meeting discussion was stuff we talked about at our last council meeting and tonight. So um, that's what we have going. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Right. Um, we have not had a person rec or fire protection meeting since the last meeting. Fire protection meeting is tomorrow night. Um, Cross-country team runs the sections tomorrow in Anoka, so um, we'll be qualifying for state, hopefully. Go get it. Uh, yeah, and then two weeks ago, the girls varsity runners were uh, conference champs. Uh, so, Fantastic. Yeah. Right. That's my guy. Well, you know, and there's a big football game coming up Friday. Oh, there is? <laughs> <laughs> well played. On Well played, yes. <laughs> First round of the playoffs, we're a number one seed, so life's pretty good there. And it's a home game. And it's a home game. So, small town feel, support your community. You're just in the junior council position one of you? Okay, hold on, hold on. Kurt, any, any announcements? Nothing. All right, thank you. I actually do not have any announcements tonight. Um, all of my announcements were included in the administrator's report. So, with that, we are going to recess our council meeting. I um, want to thank everyone that tuned in and, and thank our student for attending tonight. Wish you all a God bless and we'll restart our work session in five minutes.